You're listening to the Promised Church's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Aaron. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisedchurch.com. I, I want to speak to you today on a subject that um, we haven't probably ever spoken on here as a church, uh, and it comes at a unique time. We're on the eve of a presidential election on Tuesday, and um, for me, I believe that every person here should vote. If you have not, you should. Uh, I know who I am voting for, somebody who I believe uh, is in line with biblical truths, but I will say this. No matter who goes into the Oval Office, they are not the savior of our nation. Donald Trump, Joe Biden are not the savior of our nation. There is only one solution, and that is Jesus. There is not an economic solution that is what our nation needs right now. It's not a racial solution for our nation right now. It's not a cultural or societal solution. It is only Jesus that can be the solution for our nation today. And I believe that us as a nation, us as a church, even here in Woodland, that no matter whether your candidate comes in to the Oval Office on Tuesday night, or if anything is decided on Tuesday night, praise God, no matter what is or is not decided on Tuesday night, it should not impact the state of your heart, that your environment, your circumstance should not be impacted by what is happening around you, but you should have peace on the inside and joy on the inside because Jesus dwells within you. And I feel like it's important during times like this to look at the word to see how did Jesus react and respond during times of chaos and crisis because we are to imitate his life. And in scripture, we see a moment where the disciples and Jesus, they're in a boat. The storm is raging around them. It's the wind and the waves. We've heard the story before. And the disciples, they are freaking out. They don't know if they will survive another night. They don't know if they'll make it through their situation. It looks dark. It looks bleak. How many of us may be feeling during this season? And where is Jesus? Jesus is asleep in the bottom of the boat. He is at complete rest. He is not worried. He is not anxious. He is not stressed at all. He's at peace. That is not an idea. It is not just a great story. It is a place where you and I can reside every day, no matter what happens around us. And you may say, well, it was a lot different back then. Read Acts. Read the New Testament. As, as apostles, as disciples, were in jail cells, were beaten. As Jesus was hanging on the cross, he had peace. He had rest independent of what the environment around you may be looking like. And I believe more than ever, this topic of rest is important for us to understand as the body of Christ, that rest is not a place where you visit. It is not a vacation. How many people vacation with your children? That ain't rest. If you vacation with little children, that is called a trip. A vacation is when it is you and your spouse alone with no children nagging on you. Amen. You ever need a vacation from your vacation? Right. Rest does not necessarily mean you go and you rest. Rest is a constant. It can be a state that you dwell in. And the Lord has been challenging me in this area for quite some time and, and also in this, in this area of pace. And a couple of months ago, is Sarah, Sarah Taylor, are you here waving me? There you are. Sarah sent me a, a prophetic word. She texted it to me. And I'll be completely transparent. I read it, and I'm like, I don't know what that means, but that's fantastic. 
Praise God. And uh, but it, well, I'm sure it meant something powerful. But in and I, I wanted to say what it said. It said this is one one of the phrases she said. Is she said the Lord says this: the pace of your stride may be altered. Your pace may be altered. And I read that and I was like, great, fantastic. Don't know what that means, but praise God. And a little while after that, I went was at the gym because my body and my wife said it's time to go back. COVID's done a number on you. Get your butt in the gym. You need it. And I listened. And so I went back into the gym. Now, before COVID came, I, I, I like to run. That's what I do. I go on the treadmill. I put my, my headphones in, my earbuds in, and uh, I just disengage for 20 to 30 minutes as I'm listening to a podcast, and it goes by quickly. And when I would be running, I would run like a seven or eight-minute mile. Thank you. Like, that's fast. That's pretty good. And I'd run like a seven or eight minute, and I felt good about myself. Like, I'm, I had a great stride. Now, after that, I'd go to the, the, uh, the barbells and the dumbbells, and I'd say, deuces. And I'd just walk away because I felt like I did everything I needed to do on the treadmill. But I would be on the treadmill, and I'd run like a seven or eight minute mile for a couple miles, and it was great. So when I came back, I was like, I should be able to be back at a seven or eight minute mile. And so I get on the treadmill. Now, I hadn't gone because you had to wear a mask. And I'm like, I, I'm not wearing a mask while I'm working out. I'll die. I can barely work out without a mask. So I've, I got this face shield. You all know, it, like, the, the glasses and the shield comes down. So I get on the treadmill, and I'm running, and it's, like, fogging up. And, and I'm like, I, I'm dying. Like, I can't even get to a mile Without, I literally got off before I got done with a mile, and I'm just, I'm dead, and I'm blaming the shield. The shield is the problem. It is not me. It is the shield. I should be fine. And the next day, I show up, and I'm like, let's do it again. Why not? And the Lord spoke to me. He's like, maybe you should run a 10-minute mile. Now, maybe the Lord doesn't speak to you quite like that, but he spoke to me that day, and he said, Aaron, run a 10-minute mile. And after I tried to bind the devil... Because I'm like, that is not me. I'm a runner. I will run a seven and a half minute mile. I was like, fine. So I got on. I turned it to a 10 minute mile and there's a little ledge underneath the, the speeds. I put my phone so no one could see how slow I was running because I was embarrassed. I, sh I should be faster than that. And I'm running a 10 minute mile with the shield on. And I get to mile, mile one. I feel amazing. I get to a mile and a half. I'm like not even breaking a sweat. I get to two miles. I feel fantastic. I could run all day long at 10 minutes a mile. I felt amazing. And I get done, and I'm not exaggerating. The Lord says to me, he said, if you will not learn how to change your pace in your life, you will die, and you will never accomplish what I've called you to do. And I'm like, great. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for that. Praise God. And the Lord just began to speak to me about my pace, about my, my rest and my activity. And, and I'll be honest with you, I've never, I've never studied this. I've, I've never learned about the practical way of rest in Scripture. And today I want to speak to you about this because for so long I've had this opinion in mind that if I'm not being active and busy like I'm failing, anybody understand what I'm feeling when I, when I say that? Like if I'm not spinning my wheels and accomplishing things, I must be failing. Like laziness, I, I hate it. Like 
I, I'm one of those guys on a Saturday afternoon where if I got nothing going on, I'm like, babe, I feel like I need to accomplish something. Like, give me something to do. Like, I don't want to just be lazy. And I've had this mentality, and our culture is terrible at this. We have access to literally everything we could want. We can be busy. We can be reading things. We can be watching things. Like, I've been to many homes, and literally they're like, yeah, our TV's just on all day long. Like, it's just, it's just noise. Like, we live in this place where we pick up our phone literally thousands of times a day. Do you realize it's proven people pick up their phone thousands of times a day for no reason? It's just a habit just to see what's on. Like, we're in this constant state of moving, and we create this culture where if you're not working hard, hard, if you're not going above and beyond, then you must be losing. Like we, we believe this and we subscribe to this. And, and I feel like if we're not careful, what happens is your life begin actually to look like mine did. And, and I've hit my wall in the last six months, probably half a dozen times. Like I get to, I'm, I'm exhausted. Like I'm tired. I get to the place that I'm stressed and I'm worried about things and I'm like, why am I not able to push through like I usually am, especially during the time of COVID when you would think it'd be more relaxing and full transparency. I've hit my wall multiple times. I'm like, something is wrong. Why why am I dealing with this constant frustration or, or exhaustion? And over the last couple of months, you know, we, I, my wife and I, we talked to various couples who have older kids just to learn from them, which all of you should be doing. If you have young children, you should be asking questions. Amen, that's a good word. If you've got children, you should be asking questions to people who have older children to find out how did they do it? What did you do right? How could you have done things differently? Amen. That's a good word. We should preach a message on that. It's called asking questions, growing, being vulnerable. And especially lately as I've asked different people, man, what what could you have done better? Most of the time they'll say, well, Aaron, we just got to the point where we just got tired. Like we were compromising, like we just got exhausted. You know, we gave our kids cell phones too early. Amen. We put TVs in their room far too early. We let them do whatever they wanted to do because we were just tired. Like, we stopped asking them questions. We were just in this constant cycle of trying just to keep up, and we just got tired. And my question has been this. is It's like, Lord, is there an answer to that? Is there an answer to just being exhausted? Is there an answer to the pace of life? Is there an answer to not, to not falling short, but to completing the journey that the Lord has asked us to complete? And there is a solution, and it is this. It is the Sabbath. It is the Sabbath. And I want to speak to you today on the Sabbath that rest is more than just an idea. It is actually a plan. The rest there is a solution for. It is not a theory. It is a plan and it is the Sabbath. And I want to read to you out of Exodus chapter 16. Chapter 16 is before the Ten Commandments were given. And it says this, then he said to them, this is what the Lord has said, tomorrow is a Sabbath rest. Now this is when the Lord gave them manna from heaven to feed them. Everybody know this story? The children of Israel are in the wilderness and the Lord brings food from heaven to feed them during their journey. He says, tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today. And boil what you will boil, and lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. 
So they laid it up till morning, and as Moses commanded it, and it did not stink, nor were there any worms in it, praise God. Then Moses said, eat that today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Because on the Sabbath, the Lord is saying, I will provide for you. But if you go to work, I will not be with you. Let me say it again. On the Sabbath day, you are not to work because I will not be with you that day. It says six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, on the Sabbath, there will be none. Now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? This is pre-Ten Commandments. Okay, that, why is that significant? Because we think that the Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments. It is, but it predates it. Okay, the Sabbath is a principle of heaven. See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath, therefore he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on that seventh day. Now, I have been a Christian my entire life. I think I came out of the womb and I was in a church service. My grandfather was a pastor. My other side of my grandparents were leaders in their church. My parents have been, my mom's been on staff here for 25 years. They're elders in the church. I've been on the worship team. My brother basically is Jesus incarnate. He's perfect. He was the perfect child. I was the other one. And I've literally been in a church service. As far We listened to Carmen. That was our secular music. That was our secular music. It was Carmen. Who's in the house? JC, baby. That's right. I grew up in a church service. I have listened to thousands of messages. I don't think I have ever heard a message on the Sabbath. Ever in my life. And if I heard it, I was asleep because I was one. I've never heard it. I've heard lots of messages on rest from a theoretical perspective. In God is rest. What does that mean? But I've never heard the practical application of rest in Jesus. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Aaron, if you believe that God has called the promised church to be a place where a move of God impacts this region and you don't understand rest, you will never make it to the end. That especially during a time of COVID when things are even simpler, praise God for no sports right now, hallelujah, after the fact, it's just going to get even busier. Ministerial speaking, when we launch a campus in Longview or we get back to having small groups again or when there's Friday night worship again or all these other things, and if you can't find rest in this season, you won't make it into the next. And the Lord very specifically said, Aaron, this principle is paramount to you accomplishing what you're supposed to accomplish. As simple as rest may be. And these these commandments, which is what we are familiar with, this is one of the Ten Commandments, but the Sabbath is a particular aspect of the Ten Commandments. The first three commandments are how we are to relate to the Lord. Let me show them to you. Kelsey, put them up. The first one is this. Do not worship other gods. Do not make graven images. And do not take God's name in vain. The first three, how we relate to the Lord. The last six are how we relate to others. Number five is honor your parents. Do not murder. 
do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, and do not covet how we relate to others. But there is the fourth commandment. The fourth commandment is how we relate to God, to others, to nature, and to ourselves. It is this. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Okay, now this commandment has the most. Now today I'm teaching. I'm not preaching. We called it peaching. I'm peaching today because I just, I'm not a teacher. There's more scripture verses on here than three of my last messages probably. So I need you to work with me this morning I, I, because something might pop out if I just, if I teach too long. So I'm just preparing you, but work with me. The fourth one, which is remember the Sabbath has the most explanation in it for a reason. And I want us to read through this. Exodus 20 verse eight says this, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your emails. Let's bring this in the 21st century. Six days you are to do your homework. Six days you are to work and to get a job and to provide for your family, praise God, and do all of your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall turn off your cell phone and do no work. Neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreign Foreigner residing in your towns, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. This is on the same list as do not murder. This didn't like click in my mind until I realized that God cares as much about you honoring the Sabbath as he does about you not popping somebody who wrongs you. Okay, you got to think of it that way. Like, God cares as much about you not stealing as he does about you taking a day off a week. And this commandment carries a death, pen death penalty with it. Okay, there's only three things in Scripture that carry death penalty. Murder, rape, and breaking the Sabbath. A death penalty. Let me show you. In Exodus 31, it says this, Therefore you are to observe, observe the Sabbath. For it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. Praise God. Doesn't just feel good? For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. For six days work may be done, but on the seventh day there is a Sabbath. Sabbath means ceasing from labor. Of complete rest. Holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath shall surely be put to death. He put a death sentence on it. Now, is God going to kill you if you break the Sabbath? No, but what he's saying is if you break the Sabbath, you are actually killing yourself. You are going to work yourself to death that God created a seven-day work week. And he said man was not designed to work all seven of those days. You need one day of recovery. Amen. Amen. I know this is a message you've probably never heard before. It's my first time ever as well. It's okay. We're all in this journey together. Verse 16 says this, Therefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. That means every generation, including ours. It's a perpetual commandment. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. 
For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. In ancient times, this was actually a sign. Notice that it is a sign between me and the children of Israel. This was a witnessing tool. Back in the day, people would come. They'd come to Jeremy and say, Jeremy, I need you to do landscaping services for me because my oasis around my desert camp is, is I don't know, work with me here. Something, something needed to happen with landscaping services. And Jeremy said, bro, I can't help you right now because it's the Sabbath. And they're like, what are you talking about? He says, I, I follow the God of the universe, the maker of heavens and the earth. In ancient times, that was their witnessing tool. They didn't have tracks and jad. Scott was not born. <laughs> this was a witnessing tool. And not only that, but look at that last word. Put that up. Yeah, thank you. God was refreshed. How could the God that never tires be refreshed? See, that word in the Hebrew actually means that God breathed in. It means he inhaled. See, for six days during creation, God created. How did he create? He spoke. What do you do when you speak? You exhale. And on the seventh day, he breathed in. He inhaled. Man, I just haven't been able to catch my breath lately. If you take the Sabbath, you will. He breathed in and he was refreshed. See, the Sabbath means no work. It means to rest. Now, I'm a drummer. Hey. And uh, <laughs> you guys are just, I'm, I'm working hard this morning. I'm earning the paycheck I don't get, praise God. And as a drummer, it's important to read music. And growing up, I played in jazz band and I played in pep band and we would travel and perform and Pastor Casey, we were in the same jazz band together and his wife. And uh, we would do competitions, we'd win awards. I would win some solo awards. Stop, stop, you're too kind. And, uh, and I'm, specifically, we would go to these competitions where there'd be sight reading competitions, right? Right, Case? Yeah, sight reading competitions, which means you sit in a room with sheet music of a song you've never seen before, which is awesome, unless you don't know how to read music, which I did not know how to do. Now, our conductor, the greatest and best conductor of all time, Mr. Paul Klein, praise God, he, he knew I didn't know how to read music, so we had hand signals. It was like baseball. <laughs> and I just knew what he was telling me. I can't remember them now, but I'm sure they were something, you know, like, whatever. I, and he would communicate as the song went on because I didn't know what to play. He would just say, hey, this is jazzy or this is straight. And, you know, a couple, like, 30 seconds in, there's going to be a failure. It's going to crescendo up. And so I just kind of memorized the song in five minutes or so, and, and we did it. But when there was rests in the song, which is a time where you are not to play, he would just go like, like, stop. And if you play, that's like the worst infraction of all. If you play when you're supposed to not play. And that time when I was, when there was a rest, like I was still, no sound came from those drums. Like my leg is a shaking left leg. And like, if I, if I, it's really quiet, you can hear the hi-hat shake. It was like nothing, no sound. Like during the rest, it was quiet. This is what resting looks like with the Lord. It's quiet. 
You know, as a children, child, when you run away from boredom, that's what you run towards during rest. You run towards simplicity. You run towards silence. You run towards no activity. I'm going to breeze through this. November. November. It is November. My children listen to Christmas music. We woke up this morning. Israel had on his Alexa, and he had on Mariah Carey, baby. It's Christmas time in my house. Christmas trees. We're not hosting Thanksgiving. You better watch out because the Christopherson house is getting a Christmas tree in the first couple weeks of November. Praise God. I digress. Numbers chapter 15, verse 32, talks about how a man breaks the Sabbath by gathering firewood, and the Lord commands that man to be taken outside the camp and stoned to death. Whew, praise God, great story. Takes the man outside of camp and stones him to death because the Lord knows that in order for a nation to accomplish what they're supposed to accomplish, they need to honor the commandments and the principles of the Lord. And the Sabbath was one of them. You do not break it. In 1 Corinthians 10, it talks about how the things of the Old Testament are actually there to give us an example of how to live our lives. They are instruction to us today. So you may say, wow, that's just the Old Testament. No, it is an example of how we are to live today. And it is a commandment that predates the Ten Commandments. Okay? Oftentimes when I thank you, whoever said okay, we ignore this commandment unlike any other. If somebody came to us and said, Cable, I want to go murder somebody, will you join me? Absolutely. I'd love to. I love breaking the Ten Commandments. No big deal. That would be stupid. We would not have that conversation. But if I went to him and said, hey, let's break the Sabbath, no problem. I'm not keeping it anyways. There's something about that Sabbath that has become so inferior to our lives that all the other ones we agree with and we believe in and we identify and we practice. We don't steal. Child, honor your father and mother. It's what the word of God says. But the Sabbath is a commandment we don't care about. We ignore it. Hebrews chapter 4, New Testament, says this. So there remains a Sabbath rest. This is Hebrews near the end of the Bible. A Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has once entered his rest has also rested from the weariness and pain of his human labors. Anyone here want to rest from those things? Just as God rested from those labors of his own. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest of God. To know and experience it for ourselves so that no one will fall, will fall by following the same example of disobedience. This is a step of faith. For me it was hard to like connect things together. And the Lord gave me this example about tithing. For those of you who have been part of our church, I've preached multiple series on finances, something I'm passionate about, people succeeding in their finances, and one of those areas is tithing. The 10% should go back and listen to them. If, I don't have time to explain it today, but it's, it's in obedience to the word of God. And one of the things that we talk about in terms of tithing is, will you trust God that you and him with 90 can do more than you on your own with 100? And the Lord said, it's the same with the Sabbath. Will you trust that you and him doing six days can accomplish more than you on your own in seven? And all of a sudden I was like, that makes sense to me. Will I actually just trust the Lord that that one day is for me? That's, that's for my rest. That's so that I can be refreshed. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 18 says this, and to whom did he swear an oath that they would not enter his rest? Who will not enter the rest of the Lord 
but to those who disobeyed, those who would not listen to his words. So we see that they were not able to enter into his rest, the promised land, because of why? Unbelief and an unwillingness to trust in God. Why will you not enter into the Sabbath rest? Because of unwillingness and disobedience and unbelief. I don't believe it's for real. I don't believe it's for today. It doesn't make any sense. So how do you do this practically? What does it look like practically? It looks like one day a week, you do nothing. You don't work. Oftentimes people are like, what should I be doing during the Sabbath? A better question is, what should you not be doing during the Sabbath? The answer is anything related to your job, anything related to your calling, right? Ministry people like to have a lot of excuses. Well, I got, I got to meet with that person and I got to pray over that person. Anything related to your calling stops. It ceases. Now, I believe you should still witness to somebody and share Jesus with them and share the love of Jesus and be Jesus. But anything related to your activity of life ceases. It stops. It got really quiet. So what can you do? What can I go fish? I know all of you men are thinking, right, bro? Right? Can I go fish? Well, if fishing takes you away from your responsibility of being a husband and a father, absolutely not. But if fishing refreshes you and you are not walking away from your duties as a father and a, and a husband, absolutely. What about a woman who says, or a man, praise God, this would be me. Can I go shopping? Hello. That refreshes me. Can I spend money? <laughs> yeah, you're all laughing, but you were thinking it. If you are not stewarding your finances and you are walking away from your responsibility as a mother or a wife, then you should not go shopping. But if you can steward your finances well and it refreshes you, by all means, can I go golfing? Well, if you cuss out the golf course while you're out there and you walk away frustrated, that's probably not refreshing to you. You do not work. What about emergencies? Jesus talked about this. He said, what if an ox fell into a well? Wouldn't you not pull out that ox during a Sabbath, right? And if emergency arises, take care of the emergency and then go back. Now, if an emergency happens every time you take a Sabbath, you're a bad manager, okay? But during the Sabbath, there should be no work. This book right here, I encourage you all to write it down. It's by Robert Morris. It's called Take the Day Off. If you want to get serious about this, I highly encourage you read it. Um, he talks about four tanks. Hang with me. I'll try to be done here shortly. He talks about four tanks. He uses the analogy how we are like a tanker truck and we, we drive around fueling places as we go. And if we don't refill ourselves, we'll have nothing to give out. And he talks about four different tanks. He talks about spiritual tank, physical tank, emotional tank, and the mental tank. And the spiritual tank is it's pretty obvious how, how to, what to do during that time, but I want to take it a step further. To fill up your spiritual tank, you, anybody know how to like try to do it with activity? Try to be a Martha and fill up your spiritual tank? Great, just me? Because that's, that's what I generally try to do, and it doesn't work. Um, this is how to fill up your spiritual tank. 
you just go be merry and you listen. And you stop. You're not active. You're not just dancing around for an hour, you know, like prophesying, interceding for your nation. No, you're just, you're still. You listen. You read the word maybe. You worship for a little bit. You're quiet. You have a conversation with the Lord. It's not activity. It's stillness. So you can listen. You shut up and you don't say anything. And you wait till you hear his voice. The second one is physical take. You rest you sleep, you take a nap, you sleep in, you're still. How do you know if your physical tank is low? You lack energy, you feel tired, you have difficulty falling asleep, you have a weak immune system, you depend upon substances to give you energy like caffeine or energy bars, hello. Like caffeine, all right. You depend on substances to give you more rest, like alcohol or pills or comfort food. Or comfort food. It's like God wants you to be a Ferrari and you're putting nasty gas and oil in your Ferrari and you're expecting it to function at high capacity, but you're filling yourself with garbage. What do you do to fill that tank? You rest and you sleep. Number three, emotional tank. The fuel for that tank is joy. It's joy. What do you do to fill up that tank? You watch a a funny movie. You hang out with family. You hang out with friends that encourage you, that lift you up, that don't drain you. So can I hang out with people on the Sabbath? Yeah, not the ones that drain you. We all know who those people are in our lives, right? Well, they're my children, stop it. It's called bad parenting, all right? Kidding kind of not how do you know your emotional tank is low you feel numb you feel irritable you find it difficult to handle stressful situations like the 2020 presidential election or coronavirus it's difficult to generate enthusiasm even for things that you once enjoyed your mental tank how do you fill up your mental tank read a book that has nothing to do with your life read about history Read about the Navajo Indians or read about George Washington or read about painting. Read about something that is not related to your calling or your work. Stir your mind. How do you know if your mental tank is low? You got too much on your mind. This is me. I got too much on my mind. I've I've been chronically forgetful. I've been distracted. I'm unfocused. I'm procrastinating. And you must fill up those tanks. The Sabbath is a gift for you. Almost done. Three more minutes. The Sabbath is a gift. It is actually a blessing from the Lord for you. Let me read this to you. Mark chapter 2. says, Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. I'm going to read it again. This is really important to understand. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. The main obstacle in experiencing the Sabbath is busyness. The main hindrance to continuing is legalism. Why will you not continue? Because you're too busy. How will you distort it? 
you'll become legalistic. Look at the Pharisees. They created law after law after law that were impossible to follow. They judged you. They looked down at you. They made it incredibly difficult to even breathe on the Sabbath. This is what we do is we start becoming quickly legalistic. Well, what can I do? Can I do this? Can I do that? I don't know if I can do anything and I just got to stay home and hunker down and not see a soul for 24 hours. Become really legalistic. Why won't we start? Because we're just too busy. It's the same with tithing. Why won't you tithe? Because I don't have enough money. You'll never have enough money until you start tithing. Why won't you do the Sabbath? Because I'm too busy. You'll never have enough time and enough energy to do it until you start taking it. I had to get to the point where I realized that the Sabbath day is actually what allowed me to accomplish what I was hoping to do in seven days. That's how, that's how I had to begin to look at it. The Sabbath is what allowed me to succeed during the other six. If I didn't take it, I wasn't going to succeed. My pace was at such a, a pace that I was, just as Sarah said, and I could read the, the thing for you, but basically it was like, if you kept continuing, you weren't going to make it. Like, that was my pace. And I'm sure many of us can acknowledge my pace is somewhat similar to that. I'm at a pace where I'm just going, and I'm going, and I'm trying to complete all these things. And if I don't get to it, then I stay up late to do it, and, and I don't have time. And I'm one of those people, I'm a time saver. Like, when I pick up my daughter from school and she starts telling me about her day, I think I could spend this time thinking about what I got to do tomorrow in my schedule, my calendar. And I miss a moment as my 7-year-old, who will never be 7 years old again, tries to tell me about her day. I drive up to the bank line, and I'm... Tr- purposefully trying to figure out which one is fast enough I'm driving on the freeway which one can I do and I'm always wrong it never works always trying to save time always trying to be ahead always trying to to do things quicker and there's there's something the Lord is trying to teach us that there is a restful spirit that he wants to plant in you peace and rest and I feel like if we don't honor this principle What we're doing is we're grasping at straws to try to find rest and peace. I can tell you, as we've we've begun to follow this as a family, all of our staff, we've made this a non-negotiable for them. You will take a Sabbath one day a week. As we've begun to practice this, I'm telling you, like even yesterday, my wife, we took a Sabbath day yesterday. She was like, this is like the best day ever. And we say that almost every time. It's amazing. Let me say this. The Sabbath day is whatever day works for you. It could be a Monday. It could be a Sunday. It could change every week. My Sabbath day changed every week. Our schedule's crazy busy, and we, we look out the beginning, the end of the previous month. We scheduled the next month of Sabbath. Some days it's Fridays or Sundays. Whatever day works for you, it doesn't matter. Don't be legalistic about it. What day works for you? But the principle is this. One day a week, rest, cease, take a Sabbath. It will require pain and suffering from you. I lay there thinking, God, I just need to do something right now. Like, can I, can I just like look at my email? <laughs> Delete social media from your phone. I haven't had social media on my phone for about three months, four months maybe. It is the best experience of my life. Just don't be distracted. Why don't you stand with me? I believe that the Lord has asked the Promised Church to be a house of revival. I believe the Lord has asked us as a church to begin to see cities, Longview and Kelso, Woodland, Kalama, Richfield, the center, experience a move of God. I believe many of us and our families are going to be catalysts to seeing revival come in this region. But you want to know how it won't happen if you don't have strength to finish the race. 
the word of God says that we're on a race we're not on a sprint which is what I was doing on that treadmill but we're on a race and if you do not implement rest into your life you'll get tired you'll get weary and you'll do what so many parents have described to me you'll begin to compromise you're going to lower your standards maybe it won't be for your kids maybe it'll be for yourself maybe you'll fall short of what God has called you to do Maybe those dreams and aspirations that take every ounce of you, you won't have the energy to do it because you're too tired. We need to be people that rest. Amen. Amen. Would you do this? Would you just close your eyes? Lord, I ask that you would bring a, a conviction into this room. That you would bring a desire into this room to honor the principle of the Sabbath. God, we want to be people that obey, that believe. So God, I speak right now to areas of unbelief in our life where we look at this and we say, God, this, this just seems weird. I don't need to do this. This isn't that important. I speak to those lies of unbelief. Be broken in Jesus' name. I speak to legalism. I speak to fear that if I do this, it's going to be too challenging or awkward or like, how, how do I make this work practically? God, I speak against fear in Jesus' name. God, that we would be people that honor your word and are people of rest. And that those other six days, that we will be people that strive, that work, that are diligent, that are focused people. But God, we trust you and we trust your word and we trust this principle. In Jesus' name, amen.